Libyan officers had swept the room, less than ten minutes before the two delegations arrived outside the building. The ten figures each assumed the classic firing position, right legs forward, bent at the knee, with the butts of machine pistols or automatic rifles tucked hard into their hips. Ten muzzles pointed toward the delegates already in the room, and at the remainder in the corridor outside. For a couple of seconds, the scene was frozen. Then, as a wave of chaos and panic broke, so the firing started. The ten automatic weapons systematically hosed the doorway with fire. Bullets chewed through flesh and bone in a din magnified by the enclosed surroundings. The burst of fire lasted for less than a minute, but when it stopped, all but six of the Soviet and Libyan delegates were either dead or fatally wounded. Only then did the Libyan troops and security officers go into action. The assassination squad was exceptionally disciplined and well-trained. The firefight, which lasted for some fifteen minutes, caught only three of the intruders while they remained in the room. The remainder escaped through the rear entrance, taking up defensive positions within the compound. The ensuing running battle claimed another twenty lives. At the end, the whole ten-man team lay dead with its victims, sprawled like pieces from some bizarre jigsaw puzzle. At nine o'clock, GMT the next morning, Reuters received a message by telephone. Within minutes, the text was flashed to the media around the world. The message read, In the early hours of yesterday morning, three light aircraft flying low to escape radar detection cut their engines and glided in over the well-guarded military trade mission complex just outside Tripoli, the capital of the Socialist People's Republic of Libya. An active service unit of the National Socialist Action Army landed undetected by parachute within the grounds of the complex. Later in the day, this unit struck a blow for international fascism by executing a large number of people engaged in furthering the evil spread of the communist ideology, which remains a threat to world peace and stability. It is with pride that we mourn the deaths of this active service unit while carrying out its noble task. The unit came from our elite first division. Retribution for fraternization or trade between communist and non-communist countries or individuals will be swift. We shall cut away the communist bloc from the remainder of the free world. This is communique number one from the NSAA High Command. At the time it struck nobody as particularly sinister that the arms used by the NSAA group were all of Russian manufacture. Six Kalashnikov RPK light machine guns and four of the RPK's little brothers, the light and very effective AKM assault rifle. Indeed, in a world well used to terrorism, the raid itself was one headline among many for the media who put the NSAA down as a small group of fascist fanatics. A little under a month after what came to be known as the Tripoli Incident, five members of the British Communist Party held a dinner to entertain three visiting Russian members of the party, who were on a goodwill mission to London. The dinner was held in a house not far from Trafalgar Square, and coffee had just been served when the ringing of the front doorbell called their host from the table. A large amount of vodka brought by the Russians had been drunk by everybody present. The four men standing outside the front door were dressed in paramilitary uniforms similar to those worn during the Tripoli incident. The host, a prominent and vociferous member of the British Communist Party, was shot dead on his own doorstep. The remaining four Britons and three Russians were dispatched in a matter of seconds. The killers disappeared and were not apprehended.
During the post-mortems on these eight victims, it became quite clear that all had died from shots fired through Russian-manufactured weapons, probably Makarov or Stechkin automatic pistols. The ammunition was also identified as made in the USSR. Communique number 2 from the NSAA High Command was issued at 9 o'clock GMT the next day. This time, the active service unit was named as having belonged to the Adolf Hitler Commando. In the following twelve months, no fewer than thirty incidents involving multi-assassinations ordered by the NSAA High Command became headline news. In West Berlin, Bonn, Paris, Washington, Rome, New York, London for the second time, Madrid, Milan, and several Mid-Eastern cities, known and prominent communists were killed, together with people engaged in official or merely friendly association with them. Among those who died were three outspoken British and American trade unionists. Members of the assassination squads also lost their lives.